So we have been talking these last few weeks about some of the things we need in the coming year and some of the things we don't need. We decided we don't need any more worry, and last week we talked about we need more grace. And this morning I was thinking something else we need more of. We need more joy, Christ-like joy. You know what I'm talking about? Everybody in here is familiar with the happiness illusion, right? That's the whole idea that if, if you had a certain circumstance, if I just had a certain job, if I just had that certain relationship, if I just had that certain amount of money, then I could be happy forever. And most all of us in here know that that's a lie. <laughs> that just isn't true. And if you didn't know that, I'll tell you, it is a lie. What we need is the joy that Christ said he would send us. I mean, most folk could use some more Jesus joy in their life. Amen? That's what we need to talk about this morning. But the question becomes, what is it in this season of your life right now that's keeping you from having the joy that Jesus wants you to have? Normally, the answer to that is a pain from a past season. Maybe the biggest reason we can't grab hold of joy today is that we can't let go of the pain or the regret or or the guilt or the suffering uh, or the sin from yesterday. We have that stuff in us, and we just can't let go of it. Everybody in here has something in their past that they need to let go of. Several years ago, uh, Bob White was having brain surgery. And so several of the family and uh, the friends we met out in the waiting room and prayed over him. And then when everybody went in the back waiting room, then the senior pastor was there to kind of keep everybody calm. I was especially concerned about Lori because I'm crazy about Lori and... uh, Somebody took a video of me that day. It was a long day, and I was crouched down in front of the women's restroom writing for Christy Webster to come out so I could scare her. I love to scare Christy. Nursing homes, restaurants, church, I just is one of the things I love to do. So I'm down on my knees. Now, Jackie Goss is helping me because when women come out, if it's not, if it wasn't Christy, she was shaking her head. So women were coming out of the bathroom and seeing this creepy guy down at the door. So somebody actually got a picture of that. And I'd like to have that back. I was mortified because my hair was a mess and my shirt was untucked. And I'm... <laughs> uh, here's what I want to talk about this morning. What is, it in, what, what is it in our life that could free us from the pain not only of the past, but the power of the pain from the past has in our lives to keep us from enjoying the joy that Christ has for us? So I'm going to ask us to do something, and I'm going to ask everybody to play. Would you close your eyes for just a minute? Keep them closed for a minute or so because I'm going to read a list. And I'd like you to think about that one thing in your past right now, that if you could just get rid of it, you could move on in the joy of Jesus Christ. What's the one thing from yesterday? If God would just heal it or redeem it or get it out of your way, that you could have this joy. And keep them, here's your eyes, uh, as your eyes are closed, here's some of the possibilities. Maybe it's a divorce you went through. Maybe just a recent breakup and you're still hurting from it. Maybe you got betrayed by a friend and you're still bitter about it. Maybe you had a parent who neglected you, was hard on you, or even worse, abused you, and you carry that around all the time. Maybe one of your kids has broken your heart. Maybe you lost a job or you made a bad choice. Could be a bad habit or an addiction that you keep falling into over and over again. Could be a boss or a business partner that you can't forgive. Maybe somebody you love dearly has passed away. And you're bitter about that. And and you feel like maybe you missed a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. You missed it, and it's never coming back. See, the list is endless. You can open your eyes now. You see what I'm talking about? 
all these possibilities. And we do the craziest thing with them. We drag them with us every day. We drag, we drag them yesterday, we're dragging them today, and we'll drag them tomorrow. Speaking of that, I heard about two bananas that were in a drag race, and they were waiting for the green light to turn. And as soon as the light turned green, one banana split and the other one peeled out. <laughs> I love this. I also read about this guy that went one of those dog rescue deals, and he rescued a dog without any legs, and he named him Cigarette. He takes him out every day for a drag. <laughs> Angie was dragging me around every weekend a couple of years ago when we were redoing the kitchen, looking at expensive countertops. I think she was taking me for granted. Hmm. Some people think our president, right now I'm doing stand-up, aren't I? Some people think our president is dragging his feet on a lot of big issues. I don't think so at all. I think he's just biding his time. Okay, well, I'll stop. Okay. I was going to tell you about the mythical fire-breathing animal, but I thought I'd drag on and on with that one. My point is, listen to me, people, uh, the funny thing, people are doing that with their past. We're dragging it. We get up every morning and drag our past. We get a new spouse, we drag our past. We go to a new school, we drag our past. We get a new job, we drag our past. And sooner or later, we got to ask ourselves, why, when are we going to stop doing this? Well, this is crazy. Do we really want to keep repeating bad habits and mistakes that we got to come up to the altar every Sunday and ask God to forgive us for? Do we really want the pain from yesterday to make us depressed all day? This is a brand new day. We should be rejoicing and be glad in it. Do we really want the pain that somebody put on us uh, last week, last year, 10 years ago, to cause us to be full of resentment today? Do we want to do that? See, here's the thing. If we want more of this Jesus joy, we want to walk in it today. We got to learn to walk away from our past. We got to get past our past. How's that, Lori? We got to get past with a, a ed past our past. Now, Paul, an amazing passage of scripture in Philippians chapter three, verse twelve, where he tells us how he did this. He says, "Not that I've already obtained all of this, or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me." Brothers, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of this, but one thing I do. Forgetting what's behind me and straining towards what's ahead of me, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. This is a goosebump scripture to me. This is powerful. Paul's saying, look, that stuff back there, that's my past. That stuff up in front of me, that's my goal. That's my future. To become more like Jesus, to get closer to God, to do things for him in the kingdom. And I, one thing I'm going to do, I am not going to let back there interfere with what's up there. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to get up every day, and I'm going to forget what's behind me, and I'm going to choose the power of God in my life instead of the power of past sin in my life. I'm choosing to do that. Now, we can all do that. I just don't think we always do. Claudia and I were talking not recently about one of our favorite speakers of all time, Bill Wilson. He had the largest Sunday school in the United States in Brooklyn, New York, but this guy should have been an emotional basket case based on his childhood. I mean, it was something out of a bad movie. There was neglect. There was drug addiction. There was abuse. There was abandonment and criminality and theft. His mom took him to a bridge one morning and said, let's sit down for a minute. She said, I'll be right back. She never came back, never saw her again. I mean, he should have walked around as an emotional zombie the rest of his life, but far from it. This is the most, one of the most selfless, uh, inspirational speakers in our generation. And you've got to ask yourself, how in the world did he do that? 
How did he pull that off? And if you ask him, because he's been asking, I've heard his answer is, I chose to. I chose to do that. I chose to allow God to take this nightmare, hellish story of mine and rewrite the ending to it, and I chose not to let the sin of the past dictate what goes on in the future. I chose to do that, he said. Paul says, I forget what's behind me. I'm straining on towards that. that, In the Greek, that's an immense effort word. With every cell in my body, Paul says, I'm moving forward. I'm going to forget back there. I'm moving that way to win the prize for which Christ is. This is an amazing passage of Scripture. But I'll tell you what's even more amazing to me is how many people, and I suppose several in this church, have not chosen to do that. They have not. Too many people today are living life the other direction. They're living as victims of the past. And if we're not careful what happens to us, we start drifting into this mode where we hope things will change. I hope I can get over this resentment. I hope I can get over this bitterness. I hope I can get over this guilt. I hope I can get over this suffering. I hope I can get past all this worry. I hope tomorrow morning I wake up and things are different. Paul says, I'm not going to live that way. I'm going to forget what's behind. I am not going to be chained to the past. I'm moving forward. Now, it's important to understand what Paul means by the word forgetting. He doesn't mean that God's going to erase it from our memory. I mean, God doesn't, most of the time, let's be honest, God doesn't do that. God redeems our past. We've seen that over and over and over again in this church. I've seen it in my life, but most of the time, God doesn't erase it from our memories. I love what Warren W. writes. He says, please keep in mind then in Bible terminology, to forget does not mean to fail to remember. Apart from senility, hypnosis, or brain malfunction, no mature person can forget what's happened in the past. We may wish we could erase certain bad memories, but we cannot. So to forgive in the Bible means to be no longer influenced or affected by it. And I love what he says next. I'm not sure I agree with the first part of this, but I love the illustration. He says, When God promises, and their sins and iniquity I will remember no more, Hebrews 10, 17, God is not suggesting that he will conveniently have a bad memory. That's impossible for God. What God is saying is this, I will no longer hold their sins against them. Their sins can no longer affect their standing with me or influence my attitude towards them. So forgetting when Paul says those things which are behind us, he's not suggesting this impossible feat of mental and psychological gymnastics by which we try to erase sins and mistakes from the past. He simply means that we break the power of the past by living for the future. Isn't that good? I love that. And it makes a lot of sense. If, if we don't reflect on the past, we can't learn from the past. If we don't learn from the past, we can't get past the past. And a lot of people aren't doing that. I got a friend of mine who was counseling this woman who just had a bad breakup. She said she married this guy to make her happy, and he didn't. And and past that, he's left her. And she said, I'm miserable. I wake up every morning feeling alone and empty. She said, I'm mad at him. I'm mad at men in general. I'm mad at God for coming up with the whole idea of men. She said, my life is a joyless black hole of unmet emotional needs. It's having a bad day. And he said, well, what are you going to do about it? She said, I'm going to get a new man. And he said, I was thinking, why would God give you a new man after what you just did with the last one? He's a better pastor than he is counselor. But he did end up talking to her about how she maybe should do some work on herself and, and, and let God change some things in here and then ask God to send her another man. And I think that's a good point. I think when you and I think about the past and we think about the present 
and we think about the future, there's one person that's consistent in each one of those. It's you. And it's me. And if we're going to change the past, we've got to reflect on things a little bit. And people don't all the time. They don't learn from their mistakes. People get married in the second marriage, and before you know it, the f- second marriage is looking like the first marriage because they didn't learn anything. They, they, they don't learn at the new job. They don't learn from their mistakes from the past in the new school and, and, and at home. And they just keep this pattern, this cycle. People are in financial messes right now, this cycle of financial disaster. You talk to people today, and they, they fail to understand it's just not a wise thing to spend money you don't have on things you don't need to impress people you don't even like. I, I read last week that the average American spends $1,300 for every $1,000 they make. No wonder we're in problems in debt from the top down. These bad patterns, these cycles. Now, Solomon talks about patterns and cycles in a very graphic way. In Proverbs 26, 11, he says, As a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. It's pretty graphic. I mean, you don't expect to see the word vomit in the Bible. You think maybe he could have toned it down a little bit and talked about spittle or puke or upchuck or something. But no, he uses the word vomit because he wants us to see how tragic and awful and appalling this is. I mean, why would anybody do that to themselves? I mean, are you kidding me? You have something bad happen to you over here and you keep going back to it and back to it? That's crazy. That's going back to vomit. Paul says, I am not going to do that. I'm moving forward. I'm not going to let the past do that to me. I'll let the past inform me, but it's not going to deform me. I'll let it educate me. It's not going to devastate me. I'm moving forward, Paul says, and I love this. Such a good passage of Scripture. So again, think about that thing that you most need to get rid of so you can move on in full joy of Jesus Christ. And here's what we're going to do to finish up very quickly. We're going to talk about the possible causes for that and, and then how to get rid of it. And then we're going to go home today without it. Does that sound good? Here's the first possible cause of my bad. I mean, there are some things in our past that are bad that we need to get rid of that are nobody's fault but our own. <laughs> it, it, I did it. And if that's the case, then I need to acknowledge it, I need to learn from it, and move on. And that's easier said than done, because there's only one way to get past a my bad, and that's by using the biblical word repent. If it's my fault, I have to repent. I have to ask God to help me do some kind of fearless moral inventory of the sin that's in my life, and then do something about it so I can have the joy of Jesus. That's what David's talking about in Psalm 139, verse 23, when he says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. See if there's any wicked way in me. I'm blind to it. We're blind to our sin. Let's be honest. Help me to see what's going on in here. Now, John Ortberg, who I've been reading, he, this, this was several years ago, he did this practice in his life that he said has been around since Ignatius in the Christian home. So it's, it's been around a while, and I, I love the idea of the practice. He said, you find that sin in your life that you can't get rid of, keeps coming back, the one that's keeping joy from your life. In the King James Version, it's called your besetting sin, okay? So you find your besetting sin, and you identify it, and then you do something about it. And I tried that exercise this week, and I'll just, I'll start, I'll be transparent. I'll tell you what my sin, I'll, I'll confess you my biggest fault. My biggest fault is I help Angie too much around the house. Okay, I mean, I'm getting in her way cleaning up. I'm a neat freak, okay? I'm looking back there. She's saying, well, you're a liar and you're a freak, but you're not neat, okay? I get, no, I'm not going to tell you my besetting sin. Are you kidding me? But I did it this week. And I'm telling you, exercise is amazing. The idea is you, you pray this prayer to God. You say, search me and know my heart. 
Reveal to me what's going on in here that's wrong. Let me feel the way you do feel about it. Let me see it. And then you take an inventory on your day, what you did, what you said, where you went, how you treated people. And you ask God to expose your sin. And he said, most of the time, and I found this to be true, you're going to see a whole lot more sin in there than you wanted to. Because we got a lot of things that we need to work on. We had uh, an, another amazing vacation. We, you, most of you know we go to Disney every year to camp. Now, the reason we can afford that, my mother-in-law pays for the campground. Angie takes all the food and cooks. And we go one park a year, and the rest of the time we camp. Well, we pick Disney Kingdom Camp, or Kingdom Magic Kingdom every year for several years. And two years ago, we went to Mickey's Magic Christmas. It was amazing. So we got inside. All 12 of us got inside the gate, and I gave the lecture. I said, look, we're going to enjoy this night. We're not going to get on each other's nerves. We're going to remind each other that we don't deserve this. We didn't earn this. We're not entitled to this. This is a gift from God. And we're going to let Aaron lead because if Aaron doesn't get the lead, he pouts. And, and we, everybody laughed about that. But we let Aaron lead, and everybody agreed and smiled. Within 45 minutes, somebody was mad at Aaron because we were going to that right instead of that right. And then 45 minutes after that, somebody was mad because we hadn't eaten yet. You want to feed my family on vacation, okay? You want to make sure that gets done. And then pretty soon, Acton was mad because Ashley wouldn't pick him up. And, and uh, Archie was mad because somebody took a drink of his Coke. And I was mad because they didn't listen to my wonderful lecture, you know. It's, it's me. It's me. It's me, 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 me. And so when we get ready to tackle this besetting sin, the problem with getting around it is me. I can't see it, and then I don't want to deal with it. We have to repent. There's a reason why it's called fearless moral inventory. We've got to look with great courage about our life and be willing to suffer through the pain of humility and say, God, it's me. I'm the one that's lying. I'm the one that always has to be right. It's me, Lord. I'm the one that's judgmental. I'm the one that wants my ideas only. It's me. I'm the one that's lusting. I'm the one that's greedy. I'm the one that's selfish. It's me, Lord, and I hate that. Please, Lord, let's do something. Search me. See this. Create in me a new heart so I don't sin against you. This is hard work, but it's so good, and it brings joy so quickly. Number two, it's your bad. When it's not my bad, it's your bad. Sometimes it's somebody else's fault. Somebody deliberately cheated us. They disrespected us. They betrayed us. They, they did something bad, and we're mad, man. And we're not just mad. We're full of mad. And by the way, I'm going to tell you something. I, I've been talking about this for over a year. I have never seen the anger and division that I've seen in my life than right now, even in the church. We can't disagree with anything right now. And I'm just going to tell you, the last time this country had this kind of anger and division was just before the Civil War. And if we don't rise up and do something about it, church, we're going to have another one. We get mad so quick. Just like that, we're mad. I was coming home from Angie's mom's. I had a whole carload of family. It's been several years ago. We were up there for the Holiday weekend, we go up there and play golf and swim and all that kind of stuff. So we're coming home, and 67 is packed. And I'm in the right lane, and somebody's trying to pull out, and evidently he's tired of waiting, so he pulled out in front of me, and I barely got stopped. I'm not kidding. It's one of the closest we've ever had. And I laid on the horn. I didn't toot-toot. I laid a minute. That doesn't sound like a long time, but lay on your horn for a minute. It's a long time. And I followed that clown all the way to Martinsville. I couldn't wait to get a chance at him. We got to the, to the stoplight there at the bypass, and he rolled down the window and started in on me. 
You blankety-blank so-and-so, he flipped me off. You don't own the whole road, he said. And I said, are you going to kill my whole family to prove it? Get out! I was gonna, I'm a little bitty guy. Can you imagine what would have happened to me? That's how mad we get. So mad. And here's what's happening. We're getting mad and staying mad. And it turns into resentment. And then it becomes part of the past. And it blocks our joy. And there's only two ways to beat this kind of resentment. You either got to get even. It's called revenge and it doesn't work. Or you have to forgive. Which just simply means I give up my right to retaliate. Here's what Paul says. Forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Say, why, Paul? Yeah, you forgive them the way God forgave you. God didn't forgive you because you earned it, because you deserved it, because you did something to correct it, or because time has just let it heal. He forgave you out of grace and mercy. And I'm telling you, family, some of the biggest issues we have with our past are the pains and hurts of other people. And if we're going to get past that and on with joy, we're going to have to forgive them, period. I have to forgive them. Now, look, I'm not talking about picking out curtains or going on vacation and being buddy buddies. I'm talking about looking them in the eye and say, I forgive you. I can't forget because I'm human, but I can forget biblically. I'm not going to let it influence me anymore, and I'm not going to let it affect the way I look at you. And some of you need to do that today. Some of you got a letter you need to write today. Whether or not you send it's between you and God, but you need to write it. Same thing with the text or an email. And I'm telling you, one of the best ways to forgive somebody, my wife taught me 38 years ago. You want to get past the resentment, you pray for somebody. Earnestly and seriously. Because you can't do both. Pretty soon, you'll be loving and be over. Two minutes, I'm done. My bad... You're bad. The third category is it's just bad. It's nobody's fault. It's not your fault, my fault, nobody's fault. It just happened. And most of the time in this category, regret's going to get in there someplace. And you can always tell regret by two words, if only. If if only I'd have gone to this college. If only I'd have married this guy. If only I hadn't have married this guy. You know, if only I'd have taken this job. If only. It's a perception thing. The if only stands up against what we think would have made us happy. I was just talking to Ashley about this just two or three days ago. They did a study on uh, medal winners in the Olympics. They did a, uh, an intense study, and it's funny what they found. They found that the, the happiest medal winners are, of course, the gold medalists because they won the gold. But the second happiest people are not the silver medalists, they're the bronze medalists. Because the bronze medalists are thinking, I almost didn't win anything. I'm so grateful I, I, won, a, I won a medal. But the silver medalists are thinking, if only... I, I should have won a gold. If only I could have one more step. If only I, you know, if only they had a trip up. If only. It's a perceptive deal. And, and the only way out of this bad is hope. I, I, I mean, lots of us have regret in our past. And the only way to beat that kind of regret is to understand that God has a future for us that far outshines the past. The Bible's full of that. You got Joseph in prison. You got Daniel in the lion's den. You got David and Goliath. You got Paul and Jane singing hymns. And how'd they do that? They sure weren't hoping in their own ability. They had hope in a person. And Paul says, our hope is in Jesus Christ who died and three days earlier rose again. And I'm betting the farm on that, Paul says. All my eggs are in that basket. I'm forgetting what's behind me and I'm moving towards that prize. And then Paul says, Remember what I said to you in Romans 8, 28? I said in all things, 
Not in some things, not in certain circumstances, in some relationships. In all things, God works to the good to those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. They don't always work out good, they work to the good. So that means whoever you are, whatever you've done, wherever you've been, God can work to the good for you from here on out. And Paul says, based on that, I'm, I'm not looking back here anymore. I'm looking forward so I can become more like Jesus, love like Him and serve like Him. And, and be part of the kingdom. So I want to do one more thing with you this morning. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes again, if you wouldn't mind. And I want you to think back of that thing that we talked about earlier. The thing from your past that you need to get rid of. If you're here today and you haven't accepted Jesus yet, I bet that's one of them. Fix that today. Fix that today. You come up here and let's, let's deal with this today. For the rest of us, I'd like you to think that thing through one more time. And then, if you would, just raise your hands up. Put them up and say, Lord, I give this back to you. I trust you to take this. I'm moving forward. I refuse to let this dictate who I am. We come to the broken body and shed blood of Jesus the only way that's possible, through our new life in him. Thank you, Jesus, for this. Thank you again for the good God Almighty song. That was awesome. That's who you are. We trust you with yesterday, today, and my goodness, we can't wait till tomorrow. Thank you, Jesus.